Hagutavach and welcome to the Shir in Project Lukotasiches. Today we are learning Chelek Tes Vav Sicha Aleph on Parshas Vayera. The first Sicha on Parshas Vayera in Chelek Tes Vav. Um, this particular Sicha is one of those classic Sichas where the Rebbe asks many questions. There's a lot of detail in the Sicha, so we'll try to cover as much detail as we can without getting too tedious. The Sicha revolves around the Pasuk that describes the, one of the uh, elements of conversation that the Malachim, the visiting Malachim, have with Avram. The Torah begins by saying that three Malachim visit Avram, welcomes them into his house, and then the Pasuk says in Pasuk Tes, the Pasuk says, Vayoyimru Elov, the Malachim, the angel, said to Avram, Aye Sarah Ishtacha, where is Sarah your wife? So Rashi quotes the words, Vayoyimru Elov, they said to him, and Rashi tells us that the word Elov to him, Elov has four letters, Aleph, Lamed, Yud, and Vav, says Rashi that the three out of the four letters have a little dot in the Sefer Torah. The Aleph, the Yud, and the Vav of Elov. Ayoy. Nokoid al-Ayoy. The three letters, Ayoy, Aleph, Yud, and Vav, have a dot on top of it in the Sefer Torah. Rashi continues and he quotes a b'raisa from Abshim ben Elazar Aymer. Abshim ben Elazar says, every time, any time you have a word where some of the letters in the word have a dot on top of it, so you have to look which which is more. Are there more letters with the dot, or are there more letters without a dot? If there are more letters without a dot, so then you have to focus the drash. The Torah is teaching you something from the letters that don't have the dot. In other words, those are the letters you should emphasize to learn something extra. In other words, in addition to the simple meaning of the pasuk, the Torah is telling you, highlighting you those letters. Which letters? The majority letters. If uh, if the majority of the letters don't have a dot on top of it. So then the drash, the learning, is from the letters that don't have a dot. And if you have a, a word which has more letters with a dot than those without a dot, then the drash is of the, uh, uh, on the letters that, don't, that do have the, the dot. So in this case, says Rashi, in this case the word Elov has four, four letters, Aleph, Lamed, Yud, Vav, Three of the four letters have a dot on top of it, Aleph, Yud, and Vav. So what that tells us is that you have to learn a drash from the letters that have the dots on them, the Nakuda, which is Aleph, Yud, and Vav. Aleph, Yud, and Vav makes up the word Ayoy. Ayoy means, where is he? So even though the meaning of the Pasuk is that they're asking Avraham, where is Sarah, your wife? They asked him, where is Sarah? Nevertheless, you have to darshan and you need to learn that there's a second question which is alluded to in the Pasuk. The question is, they asked Avram, they asked Sarah, where is Avram? Continues Rashi in his quote from that Bryce, and he says, from here we learn that a person has to ask his hosts, he has to ask the woman how her husband is doing, and you have to ask the husband how his wife is doing. That's the first thing that Rashi tells us. And in this case, again, we see that Avram, they asked Avram about Sarah, and there's also an allusion to asking Sarah, Ayoy, how is Avram doing? So on this piece, the Rebbe asks four questions. On the first section of Rashi, the Rebbe has four questions. Question number one is, Rashi seemingly is only explaining the word Elov. The word Elov means that they asked him. Rashi is coming to explain that Elov also means Ayoy, they asked her where Avram is. So why does Rashi also quote the word Vayoyimru from the Pasuk? Rashi quotes the word Vayoyimru Elov. Why does Rashi quote the word Vayoyimru? The second question is, over here Rashi gives us a quote of the Brisa, and he tells us that the Brisa that gives this whole explanation, that you have to see which letters are the majority, either the letters with the dot or the letters without the dot, 
Rashi tells us in the name of Rav Shimon ben Elazar. Rashi normally only gives us the name of the author of the quote when it adds in some of our understanding of what Rashi is saying. So why here does Rashi give us the name Rav Shimon ben Elazar? Question number three. The rule that any time you have letters that have a dot on it, you have to see the majority, whether it's the dotted words or the undotted words. The question is, <clears throat> why is it important for the Torah, in, in, in an instance where the Torah wants us to learn something from the extra dotted letters, seemingly the Torah could have had a very simple solution. All the Torah could have done was, take the other, take the other letters that you, that you want us to ignore, and only put a dot on the letters you want us to ignore, and we'll pay attention to the other three letters. So why does the Torah choose to do it in such a way that the Torah adds three letter, three dots to the letters that the Torah wants to draw our attention to for the Drash, seemingly the Torah should have only put one dot on the letter that you don't want us to learn from. Why? Because either way, we're going to, fa- we're going to pay attention to the majority. So if the Torah wants us to learn something from the Aleph, Yud, and Vav, the Torah could have put a dot on the Lamed. We would know that you have to darshan, you need to understand the Aleph, the Yud, and the Vav. And then we're going to understand that the Aleph, the Yud, and the Vav, that's where the attention is, that's where the, the Drash needs to be. That was question number three. Question number four, question number four is, when it comes to the dot, the question is, what is the function of the niku, the dots, on top of the letter? Over here, Rashi seems to say, Rashi over here seems to say, that the dot is coming to teach us something extra. At the doireish hanukudah, you're coming to learn doireish. But there's another Rashi, again in a different parsha that describes Loit and his daughters. The Torah tells us that Loit was saved, it's also, next week's, it's also this week's parsha in Vayera. The Torah tells us that Lloyd was saved, and along with his two daughters, they ended up making it to the, to the mountains, to the cave. And when they came there, it says that each one of the daughters gave their father to drink. And when he woke up, he didn't realize what happened. The Pasuk says, Lloyd didn't know what happened, both when he went to sleep, in his drunken stupor. He didn't know what his daughters did to him. When he woke up, he also didn't know. So the word Uvekuma says Rashi in, in the Parsha, that also the word Uvekuma when he woke up also has dots on it. And the Torah says it to teach us that he did know. In other words, Uvekuma, he did know what was going on. So that seems to say that even though the Pasuk says Uvekuma, he didn't know what was going on. Nevertheless, the Drash teaches us that, that, that he did know. In other words, that what we assume from the Pasuk is opposite. In other words, completely uprooting the meaning of the Pasuk. So the question is, when we have a knuckle, when we have letters on top of a word, is it coming to add something, or is it coming to take away? Seemingly over here, Rashi says it's coming to add something, but later on in the Pasuk, when, when he woke up and when he went to sleep, when he went to sleep and when he woke up, the Torah seems to say that the, that the, the, the Nikud is uprooting and removing, taking away from the simple meaning of the Pasuk. That's the first piece of Rashi and four questions. Rashi continues, and Rashi says, a quote from the Gemara Baba Metziah. And he says that in Baba Metziah, the Gemara says that the angels knew exactly where Sarah was. In other words, when they asked Avram, where is Sarah, your wife? It wasn't information that they needed. Again, the Pasuk is, they asked Avram, where is Sarah? So the Gemara Baba Metziah says the angels knew exactly where Sarah was. Why did they ask? Because the Torah wants to teach us, the angels wanted to bring out that she was a woman who was Tznua. She was a Tznistika woman. In order for her husband, in order to increase her husband's appreciation, for her and her tzniyas. Then Rashi continues, Am Rabbi Yoisi, Rabbi Yoisi Barchanina says, that the reason why they asked was, in order to send her, in order to send her some of the wine that they made a bracha over. So Rashi, we quote the Gemara Bava 
And he says two things. Number one, that they knew about it, and the only reason why they asked was to show that she was Tzniyas. And Rabbi Yisri Brachanina says, the reason was in order to send her a Kaisal Bracha. On this second piece of Rashi that has the quote from Baba Metziah with these two explanations, the Rebbe asks seven questions here. Seven questions over here. Question number one is, when we say that the angels knew that they knew exactly where she was, and the reason why they asked was in order to either uh, bring out her tzniyas or to bring out, or to, or to send her a cup of wine, uh, those are seemingly explanations, not in the word, they said Tavram. It's an explanation on the question, So seemingly Rashi should have put that in a separate Dibram Askel, in a completely separate Rashi. That's question number one. Question number two, Rashi says that this quote comes from Baba Metziah. Why do we have to know that this comes from Baba Metziah? Question number three, the third reason, in order to send a cup of wine, Rashi says in the name of Rabbi Yisibar Hanina. Why do we have to know that it's Rabbi Yisibar Hanina? What does it add in our understanding of this Rashi? Number four, they sent the Kaisal Bracha from their own cup of wine. Why did they send from their own and not from Avram's? It's not Sinistic, which seems to be the opposite of the whole theme over here. Number five, Rashi says over here, in conclusion, that there's three reasons why they had to ask uh, where Sarah was. Number one, a husband, they, you always have to ask the husband about the wife and the wife about the husband. Number two, in order to teach us that she was a woman who was Tzniyas. And number three, in order to send her a cup of wine. So why at the end, we have to have, why do we have to have all these three different reasons to explain why they had to find out where Sarah was? Question number six, even more, which really builds on question number five. Rashi gives us three reasons, but seemingly we don't need any of these reasons because we already knew earlier that the angels came to Avram with a mission. One of the missions was Lavaser Esara, to tell Sarah the news that she's going to have a child. So why do you have to come up with all these other additional reasons? Why can't Rashi just say they asked Avram where Sarah was because they had information that they had to give her? Seventh question, the final question is, the three reasons that Rashi brings over here seemingly are three independent reasons that are not connected to each other in any way. So usually when Rashi brings three separate reasons that are not connected, usually you'll say, Dover another, another explanation. But over here, Rashi doesn't, doesn't say Dover anywhere, that there's something else going on over here. It's all written in one long continuation, as though there's a continuation over here. That's the question over here. Now the Rebbe adds over here, that the question really is a little stronger. Because we have a rule in the Gemara, that in the Gemara, whenever we have an opinion, in the Gemara, there's two ways for the Gemara to quote an opinion. Either the Gemara can say uh, the name of the person first, and then Omar. In that case, it means that he's disagreeing with whatever was said previously. Or we could say Omar first, and then the name. So if we say Rabbi Yisib HaChanina Omar, it means that he's arguing, which is the way it is in the Gemara, actually. The Gemara actually says Rabbi Yisib HaChanina Omar to send the Kaisal Bracha. Rashi, which tells us that Rabbi Yisib HaChanina is arguing and giving a different answer, different than the previous answer in the Gemara over there, which is the, the answer of the answer of, um, of Tzmiyas. But Rashi over here switches it around. Instead of saying Rabbi Yisib HaChanina Omar, he says Om Rabbi Yisib HaChanina, which tells us that Rabbi Yisib HaChanina is not arguing. In other words, Rashi makes clear that these three uh, answers, these three explanations are not arguing. So if that's the case, why does Rashi not write it in a way of Dabr Acher? Why, why does Rashi say as though these three answers, these three explanations all do go hand in hand? So again, just to recap here, the Rebbe quotes the two interpretations of Rashi, the three interpretations of Rashi in Ayei Vayoymur Elov, Ayei Sarei Yishtach, Vayoymur Elov, they said to him, 
And Rashi says, number one, that there's an obligation for the, hus- for the guests to ask the husband about the wife and the wife about the husband. Number two, to teach us that Sarah had sneers. And number three, to send her a cup of wine. And the Rebbe asks 11 questions on these two interpretations. Four questions on the first piece, seven questions on the second and the third. Um, on the second and the third, which the Rebbe quotes, which Rashi quotes from Gemara Baba Metziah. So the Rebbe says, in order to understand all of this, we need to understand what's bothering Rashi over here. What is Rashi coming to explain? When we learn the Rashi at first glance, Rashi starts off with telling us about the dots on the word. The dots on the word Elov. Elov has three letters that have a dot in it. So you would assume that that's what Rashi is coming to explain. Says the Rebbe, that's not the question here. Why? Because there's oftentimes in, in the Torah, where the Torah has dots on different letters, Rashi doesn't explain it. Why? Because again, according to Shlom Yikra, it makes sense that the Torah chooses, for whatever reason, to have dots. There's an explanation, but Rashi doesn't bother explaining it ever because it's not a question that a five-year-old kid is going to need to understand. It's not a question that Amshut Shlom Yikra needs to be explained. So what is the question over here? What's the question that Rashi begins with? What's the fundamental problem in the Pasuk that Rashi is bothered by? The answer is, Rashi is bothered with the words, Vayoimru Elov. What does Vayoimru Elov mean? Vayoimru Elov means that they said to him, if we're going to make the assumption that the angels are trying to find out where Sarah is in order to give her the news that she's about to have a baby, Rashi already told us earlier how many how many angels are able how many angels were sent three angels. Why three angels? Because each one of the angels has a different role. Only one of the angels came Levasir as Sarah to give Sarah the news, and that's why every time we have a statement from the angels, the pasuk says Vayoimer. He said why? Only one angel. Each angel has its own job. If that's the case, why does it say Vayoimru, they? They, Vayoimru means that all three of them said something. The question is, why did all three of the angels need to say it? This obviously explains why Rashi is quoting the Pasuk, says Vayoimru, I love. Rashi quotes the word Vayoimru because that's part of the question. The question is, why Vayoimru? Why do they all have to say? Comes Rashi and Rashi says, if that's the case, if Vayoimru, they all said, it must be that the reason why they're asking is not related to Levaser to give the news. Must be that there's a different reason why they have to find out where Sarah is. There's another reason why the Torah says, they ask where Sarah is. So the reason why all the angels did is because anytime you're a guest in somebody's house, you always have to ask. You have to ask, you have to come and you have to ask the Achsanya. You have to come and you have to ask the Achsanya what's going on. You have to ask the Achsanya from what's going on with. With the, the, you have to ask the husband of what's going on with the wife. So therefore, in this case, and, and, and there's no difference which way it is. It's true in both cases. Why? Because in this case, both Avram is the host and Sarah is also the host. She's the hostess. So therefore, because you have to question, you have to ask and find out what's happening with the Achsanya, it's true both ways. If that's the case, why in the Pasit does it only say that they asked Avram where Sarah is, but they didn't ask Sarah where Avram is? So that's what Rashi continues and he says, must be that there's a hint in the Pasuk also to, to, to finding out from Sarah how Avram is. Where's that hint? That hint is alluded to in the three letters of Ayoy of the word Elah. So in other words, the, the hint of Ayoy is not Rashi coming to answer why the, those letters have a dot. It's Rashi saying that the reason why the Torah has the word Ayoy is to explain to us why Vayoyimru, why do they all say it? Why do they all say it? Because they had to come and say hello. It's a menshlech thing to come and to ask the host how the hostess is doing and to ask the hostess how the host is doing. Where do we see in the Pasuk an allusion to asking the hostess about the host? So that's alluded to in the dots on top of the word Ayoy. Obviously, this means that generally the dots doesn't need any explanation. 
we're using the dots in this case because in this particular case, understanding the dots contributes to understanding what's going on over here. But elsewhere, it's not important. It's not a question that needs to be addressed. Why letters in the Torah have a dot? So this is the beginning of the Rebbe's explanation. It's going to be a long explanation because the Rebbe has many, many questions that he needs to address. So we're going to get to it. So the Rebbe is going to work through the entire Rashi over here, piece by piece, explaining to us the progression of all the details that Rashi adds over here. So the Rebbe continues and the Rebbe says, if the whole purpose of asking is in order to find out how they're doing, in other words, to, to greet them in, in a pleasant way, so if that's the case, why was it important? Why was it important to find out where Sarah is? Again, according to the first explanation, why is it important to know where Sarah is? You come to Avram and you say, how's Sarah doing? Why do you have to say, where is Sarah? Why is it important to know where she is? And this question is really both ways. This question is also when they went to ask Sarah, they didn't have to ask, Ayoy, where is Avram? It's not important to know where he is. The question where he is doesn't, 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 do, do, doesn't address what they're trying to accomplish here. They're trying to accomplish and say, how are they doing? So why do they have to find out where they are? So it says Rashi, Rashi continues and he says, another explanation, in other words, another addition of why they came to ask. Rashi continues and he says, in Baba Metziah, the Gemara says that they knew exactly where she was. The reason why they asked was in order to bring out Avram's appreciation, his love for Sarah. And a second explanation, L'shagir, to send a cup of wine. In other words, the reason why they chose to ask about her by finding out where she is, is because there was another intent in what they were trying to do. Not only to find out where she is, not only to ask how she's doing, but also they needed something of where she was. Either to bring out Avram's appreciation for her, we'll see in a moment what that means, or to send over a cup of wine that needed to be sent. The Rebbe's going to explain this in a moment, what, what exactly this means, but let's give that, let's give it, let's give that a chance. Once we understand this, once we understand this, <clears throat> once we understand that Rashi brings from the Gemara Baba Metziah, to know that she was Tznua, that she had Tznias, this will also answer another question. The Rebbe now is going to address this Tznias piece over here. What exactly is the Tznias piece? So the Rebbe is going to address now in the next few pieces the, the, the depth of the Tznias that the Torah is teaching us over here. And before the Rebbe gets into that, the Rebbe says, let's just address something in the word Ayoy, in the dots, in the Nikud of Ayoy, before we get to that understanding. Whenever we have a word in the Torah or a letter in the Torah that has Nikud on it, what exactly is the Nikud telling us? There's a dot on the letter. The dot is trying to say, I'm different than everything else. Regular letters in the Torah, words in the Torah are written straight as a word. And then the Torah wants to say, by the way, this word needs a different attention. This word is a different energy. How do we address that? How do we bring out? By adding a dot, the dot brings out that this letter is different. And what is the letter different? So to say that the letter is telling us, that the dot on top is telling us that the letter doesn't exist, in other words, that the Torah doesn't mean it, that doesn't make sense, because if that's the case, just erase the whole thing entirely. We have, so what does it mean, obviously? That whenever we have a word or a letter that has niku, that has dots on it, the Torah is telling us that it's different. But not that it's different in the sense that it doesn't belong here at all. In other words, that it's an extra letter, the Torah wouldn't write it. Rather, the Torah is trying to say that whatever I said, I, I'm, going to use a, I'm going to use an expression which is, which is inaccurate, but as if, as so to say, take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt. In other words, that these letters that have a dot on them, we're trying to weaken the effect of what we're saying. In other words, when you read the Pasuk, and it says, if a Elov, they said to him, it means full force. The letters that have the Nikud on it, the Torah is saying, these letters also, but not in the same way. It's, it's in a weaker way, 
than the rest of the letters that don't have the Nikud on it. What does that mean? The Rebbe is going to explain how this works, excuse me, in, in another example in the Torah. And the Rebbe is going to explain also the other example that we brought in the beginning of the Sikha. And then the Rebbe is going to get to our example and see how it works over here. So the first example the Rebbe says is from a later parsha. the Torah tells us that when Yaakov met Esau, after many years of not seeing each other, so it says that Esau, Vayishakehu, Esau gave Yaakov a kiss. So the word Vayishakehu has dots on it. Says Rashi, what are the dots doing over there to teach you that when Esau kissed him, he didn't really kiss him with his full heart. What does that mean, in other words? That the Torah is telling us that Vayishakehu, he kissed him. Did he really kiss him? Yeah, he went through the action of kissing him, but he wasn't really in it. So that weakens the effect of the kiss. Was the kiss there? Yes. Was it done with the same energy? No, it wasn't done with the same energy. The same thing is true. The same thing is true. Rashi has another interpretation. It works for that also. But the key is that when the Torah says there's a Nikud, Rashi's, Rashi's opinion in, in Nikud, when this dance on top is, we're weakening, taking away some of the force of what the Torah is saying. Another, another, uh, another example the Rebbe says, let's go back to our example. The Torah says, Lo that Loit didn't know when he went to bed and when he woke up. So the word ubekuma when he woke up has dots on it. And what does Rashi say? That when he woke up, he did know about it. The problem is, how does that work? Either he knew or he didn't know. If he, if he, if he knew, so why does the Torah say that he didn't know when he, went, when he woke up? So the Rebbe says it's a very simple thing. What it means is, who didn't know when he woke up? Loit himself knew what happened when he woke up. He knew what happened the night before after he woke up. He found out about it. The daughters, they thought that he didn't know. So therefore, they made the same trick the next night. Why? Because in their mind, he had no idea. So if he had no idea what happened the night before, let's do it again. So again, when the Torah says, Ubekuma, when he woke up, he didn't know. He himself personally did know. But what about the daughters? What they knew about their father, they assumed that he still didn't know, both when he went to sleep and when he woke up. So what does this tell us, in other words? This tells us is that Ubekuma, when he woke up, some people knew about it. But some people thought that he didn't know about it. So again, it takes away a little bit of the ubekuma that when he woke up, he did know about it. Not like the seemingly literal meaning of the Pasuk. But the daughters, they did think that the father still didn't know. Okay? So how does, so now let's take this idea back to our Pasuk. So again, the, the point the Rebbe is saying here is that the niku, the, the dots, they say that we have to weaken some of what the Pasuk is saying without entirely negating it. So now when we come to our Pasuk and we have three letters, Aleph, Yud, and Vav, that have a dot on top of them. So what does that tell us? So the Torah is telling us two things. First of all, that just like they asked Avram, they also asked Sarah. But the Torah here is saying something else also. The Torah is also saying that when they asked Sarah, the question to Sarah wasn't the same as the question to Avram. The dots on top of the letters Ayoi also tell us that the question to her wasn't with the same force as it was to Avram. When they came and they asked Avram, they said, we're Sarah. When they came to Sarah and they asked her, it was done in a separate way, it was done in a different way, it was done with a different force, a different way, it was done differently. This also explains why when the Torah wants to teach us to learn the words Aleph, Yud, and Vav, instead of only making one dot on the Lamed, the Torah makes the dot on the Aleph, Yud, and Vav. Why? Because the Torah is trying to teach us that the words that have the dot on it, are the letters that have the dots in them, are supposed to be understood as weaker. So that's why if the Torah would only put the dot on the Lamed, we wouldn't understand that the Aleph, Yud, and Vav are weaker, that was the question to, to Sarah, the Ayoi, to Sarah was different and weaker than it was to Avram. We would understand that he also asked Avram, but those letters are the main letters, those letters we, don't under, we wouldn't understand are weaker and different than the whole word of Elav when they asked him. So that's why the Torah puts the dots, Aleph, Yud, and Vav, to ta- even though it's extra dots, it's two extra dots. 
in order to teach us that the ayoy, the question to Sarah, was in a different fashion, in a weaker way than the question is to Avram. How is the question to Avram weaker than it was to Sarah? The answer is, the answer is, with Rashi telling us, quoting from the Gemara, that they asked the question in order to find, in order to shear that Sarah had a tznias. Once we know that Sarah was a woman who was tznias, obviously we understand that the question, finding out where Avram was, wasn't done in a, in a public fashion, wasn't done in, in a public way. It was done in a much more edel way. It was done in a much more tzniyizdik way. So when Rashi continues and tells us, it's not something different necessarily. Rather, it's not, it's not a contradiction to what we said earlier, that they asked Sarah, where's Avram? No, on the contrary. No. This is part of the explanation. This is part of the explanation that when they came and they asked Sarah, where's Avram? What was the difference in the way they asked the question? They didn't stick away. And that's why it says, that's why there are dots on top of it, as the Rebbe just explained. Now, before Rashi brings this added piece that she was a Tzniyistika woman, Rashi says, In the Gemara Baba Metziah, they say this. One of the questions the Rebbe asked earlier was, why does Rashi bring a source Baba Metziah? Rashi doesn't bring any sources. So the Rebbe says there's a, there's a reason for this. The reason is, because Rab Shimon ben Elazar, who's the author of the quote, you always have to ask the hosts about each other. That quote of Rab Shimon ben Elazar is twice in the Torah, once in the Gemara Baba Metziah, but also in Bereshis Rabbah and the Medrash. So Rashi here is coming and telling us, my quote over here, I'm not quoting from, from the Bereshis Rabbah, I'm intentionally quoting over here from, I'm intentionally quoting from the Gemara. I'm intentionally quoting from Gemara Baba Metziah, I'm intentionally quoting this quote, and not the quote of Bereshis Rabbah. What, what's the reason for it? So the reason for this, the Rebbe is going to explain later on in the Sikha, the Rebbe is going to explain why that's the case. But in order to get that, the Rebbe has to build up a few more pieces in order to be able to understand what's the advantage of Baba Metziah. Again, let me just repeat that. The Gemara is saying that a Baba Metziah, Oymrim. Oymrim means that everyone agrees with it. In other words, it's not something which is only according to one opinion or according to a different opinion. Because Rashi is trying to tell us that the second quote, the second piece, that Sarah was Tzniyazdik, it goes according to all the opinions. It goes according to the first quote that you have to ask the husband about his wife. It also goes according to the third piece in Rashi, L'Shagir, to send the Koshal Bracha, also is related to the Tzniyistik piece. What's the explanation of that? Rebbe's going to get to that soon. But I'm just going to go flow along over here with the flow, so we have the, the full build of the Sikha. Now, going back to what we're saying, we said earlier, so let's just focus, let's just recap what the Rebbe told us so far in the flow of Rashi. Rashi first told us that when the Torah says, they all asked, the reason why they all asked was because they all had to behave in the menshlech way to ask the host about the hostess, the hostess about the host. The reason why the Torah says that she was, that the, the reason why Rashi says that there was Tznius involved is to teach us that the question to the sorrow was different than the question to Avram was done in a much more edel way. Okay. Now, What's the problem with it? The problem with it is that Avraham, again, what's the explanation of Tznius? What does Rashi say the explanation is? Which means that they asked Avraham a question. They asked Avraham the question. And the, the and Avraham answered, what was the answer of Avraham? Hine ba'oyal, that she's in the tent. The answer of Avraham, that Hine ba'oyal, that she's in the tent, was supposed to bring out Avraham to realize what he has. It was to realize and appreciate the Tznius of his wife. Now, the problem with that is that it's not something that Avram didn't know about. It was like nothing. Avram didn't need a reminder that his wife had Tznias. And the Malachim also knew about it, right? 
So in a sense, the, the Pasuk of here is telling us that, that the angels asked Avram in order to tell him something as if he didn't know. Avram already knows about it. So in order to answer that, Rashi comes and adds, and he says that there's another reason why they had to ask. Another reason to ask is, L'shagir koishal bracha, to send her koishal bracha. Now the third reason alone also Rashi doesn't suffice with. Why? Because once we know where they were, because once you tell me the second reason that they knew where she was, so you didn't have to ask anymore where is Sarah, right? And that's why, and that's why, and, and, and that's why the third reason is not enough either. So that's why we also have to have the second reason that they asked in order to bring out the, the beauty of Sarah, that she was a Tznistika woman, began by answering, by answering that she was in the tent. In other words, just to say that it was in order to send her a cup of wine, if they knew where she was, why are you asking? Unless there's a reason that the asking is bringing something out. So reason number two and reason number three, the Rebbe says each one of them is not enough on its own to be a reason to ask. Okay. Another reason why the second, why the third answer, another advantage that the third reason has over the second reason. Again, the third reason is L'shagar Kishel Bracha. The second reason is to teach that she was Tznias. So another reason is because Tznias is primarily, the question of Tznias is primarily a, a negative thing. In other words, you want to bring out someone's Tznias, you say they're not in a public space, right, when it comes to Sarah. Now, in this case, how did they get to that answer? They got that answer by Avram saying, Hine bo'el. Avram could have said, she's not here, she's somewhere else. But Avram doesn't say that. Avram says, Hine bo'el, she's in the tent. Which means that Avram understood that the angels need information, a affirmative information, a positive thing, where is she? Tznias doesn't have to tell us where she is. For the reason of Tznias, we just have to know that she's not here. Only for the third reason of sending a kosher bracha, if you want to send her something, oh, now we have to know where she is. You can't send her something without knowing where she is. So that's another advantage in the third explanation versus the second explanation. Another question the Rebbe asked earlier is, why did the Malachim have to send from their own cup and not Avram? Why did they have to send a cup of wine? Why couldn't Avram send a cup of wine? So the answer to that is very simple, that Avram was somebody who was completely involved in everything that he was doing. And when it came to Achanas HaSorchim, he was extremely involved in the Achanas HaSorchim that he was doing. So even when he stood and he served the angels, the Apostle said, Avram stood when they were eating. They were the ones that were eating, and Avram stood on the side to serve them. So he was like the waiter who was standing on the side serving them. Avram himself didn't eat. If Avram didn't eat, he didn't have a cup of wine either. Obviously, this teaches us that when they had to send a cup of wine, they had to send their own cup of wine, and Avram couldn't send his. <clears throat> obviously, obviously, this also tells us that sending the cup of wine doesn't take away from the Tzniyah Sasara, because the, the, there was no other option to give her a cup of wine. There was no other cup of wine. Obviously, in this case, they were guests, and because they were guests, so they couldn't uh, start taking somebody else's wine. They're just the guests over here. So therefore, they had to take their own cup of wine, and they sent it over to Sarah. So therefore, they had to ask where Sarah was in order to get the wine over to Sarah. However, we're still not finished over here. Why? Because at the end of the day, we have an explanation why there's no other option of sending over the cup of wine, but it still seems like it's, it smells a little bit that it's not fully tzniyazdik to do such a thing. To find out where the woman is in order to send her a cup of wine, it's inappropriate. So comes Rashi, and Rashi says, he tells us who is the author of that quote. The author is Rabbi Yisri Brachanina. How does Rabbi Yisri Brachanina help us? So the, Gemara, the Rebbe quotes a Gemara in Brachas that says, Rabbi Yisri Brachanina says that a woman has a sense on her guests more than a man. So obviously in this case, what does that mean? That Sarah, when she had these guests in her house, she picked up right away that these aren't regular people. And therefore, taking a cup of wine from these people... Obviously, she understood that either they're angels or they're similar to angels. She picked up right away that they're different. So once she understood that these aren't regular people anymore, so the issue of tznias doesn't become such an issue anymore. 
And that's why Rashi gives us the quote of Yisri Barchanina, so we know who it is. Okay. So this explains to us, this explains to us the three separate reasons, but it explains to us the three, three separate reasons in understanding them as three different reasons with each one having an advantage over the other. Okay. After this whole, after this whole explanation of understanding why Rashi has to add all these pieces and everything that Rashi has to say over here, after everything, we still have to understand something else. We still need to understand that at the end of the day, these three reasons are all not a contradiction to each other. It's true. The different reasons are a contradiction. It could all be true. But they're all three individual reasons. So the question is, why does Rashi say them all as one long hemshech, one long continuation, without saying davar acher? He didn't say one reason, davar acher, davar acher, bava metzir, basically says this. In other words, Rashi just says it as, long, as if it's one long explanation. At the end, the Rebbe says a beautiful, beautiful thing, which sort of adds a spice to the whole explanation that the Rebbe said up until this point. The reason why Rashi gives three, three different reasons, and the three reasons are in one long hemshech, as though it's one long thing, is because let's go back to the beginning. You remember in the beginning we pointed out that Rashi has a question in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vayoyim Rei Lov. means they asked him. Says the Rebbe, once you know Vayoyim Rei means they asked him, our question was, why does it say they? Only one of them should do the asking because one of them has to give Sarah the news. Comes Rashi and Rashi says that no. Rashi gives us three reasons. Says the Rebbe, the three reasons is because each one of the Malachim had a different intent with this question. The angels came and said, Where is Sarah? And every single one of the angels came and asked for something else. That question that they asked was might have been the same question. But the purpose of why they did it is for a different reason. So the Rebbe says in a deeper sense, when Rashi comes and gives us three explanations, what the angels were asking, it means that each, each Malach had a different question in mind. Why? Because each one had a different shlichus. We know that one Malach can't do the same, can't do more than one thing. So one Malach came to said the Kaisal Bracha. So when he asked, where is Sarah? He had one thing in mind. One of them had to come in and be the, to, the, the, the one to, to greet and to, and to send, to find out each one of them were in order to find out and make sure everyone's doing okay, also, you don't have to have three separate ones asking, one can ask, and they can all listen, right? And the same thing is true, the one who's going to bring out Sarah's love, Avram's love for Sarah, to bring out the Tzniyas of Sarah, also one of them is enough. So the Rebbe concludes, and the Rebbe says, so each one of them, each one of the, each one of the Malachim of here had his own reason why he asked. And that's why Rashi says it all in one Hemshech, because these reasons are not only not contradictory, they're all true. They're all, on, they're all true. Each Malach had a different intent with the question that he asked. There's one question that we still didn't address over here. There's one question we still didn't get to over here, which is, there's one question we still didn't get to, and that is the original quote in Rashi. The first explanation in Rashi is the whole discussion about which letters are more, whether the letters with the dot, the letters without the dot are more. And Rashi quotes a Bryce in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. So the question is, why does Rashi give us the name Rabshim ben Elazar? What's the point of giving us the name of Rabshim ben Elazar? So the Rebbe says like this: This rule that when the letters with the dot is more than the letters without the dot, we pay attention to the letters with the dot. So it doesn't mean that we completely negate the simple meaning of the pasuk. No, the simple meaning of the pasuk is still there. Rather, the Torah is coming to add, in addition to the simple meaning of the pasuk, there's also something else, which is the letters that are dotted on top of them that they also have their own attention, as if it's like its own word. In other words, when we look at the word A-love, there's two ways to look at the word A-love, okay? One way to look at the word A-love is that the letters Aleph, Yud, and Vav are part of one big word. 
The word is Elav. And the word Elav in this case is one big word with the Lamed. A second is, a second uh, meaning to these letters is that there's also a word unto itself, Ayoi, where is Avraham? So in other words, we have three letters that either are on their own one word, or they join the Lamed and they become a word together with the Lamed. What's the problem if they join the Lamed and they become a word together with the Lamed? It comes out that here you have one letter, one Lamed, and these three letters, they're joining up with a Lamed to make up another word. In other words, in this case, these letters, which are the majority of the word, they, as we see that they also have their own meaning, instead, in one of the readings of the word, they become tuffle, to the, they become secondary to the Lamed, and they join Lamed, and they make up a word together with the Lamed. Says the Rebbe, the answer to this question, that it's not a problem, that the three letters with the dot are bottle and tuffle to the one letter with the dot, without the dot, the answer to that is alluded to in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. There's a Gemara in Beitzah, the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, that says, that, discuss, that discusses the halachas of baking on Yantif. Usually when a person cooks or bakes on Yantif, the halacha is, you only allowed to cook as much as you need. You can't bake for tomorrow, you can't bake extra. Comes Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar and he says that a woman who bakes bread on Yantif is allowed to break an oven full, filled with bread. A woman who bakes bread on Yantif is allowed to fill an oven full, filled with bread. Why? Because the bed, the bread bakes better when the oven is full. The less ear you have in the less space you have in the oven, the better the, 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 the bread bakes. I can't tell you how this works in the kitchen, I'm not a baker, but that's what, that's what Shemin Elazar says. So what do we see over here? We see that on Yontif, if a person wants to bake bread, and a person needs only one loaf of bread, the person's allowed to bake an oven full of bread for this one loaf. So what do we see the opinion of Shimon Elazar? That all the loaves of bread are bottle to that one loaf. So similarly, in our case also, the three letters, the Aleph, Yud, and Vav, could also be bottle and tuffle. They can be secondary to the Lamed, and they can join with the Lamed and make up a word with the Lamed. They can also make up the word Elav, and it's not a problem. The Rebbe concludes the Sikha with a lesson that we learn from this, uh, from this Rashi. And the Hayra, the Yenish Altair of the Hayra, primarily... Uh, focuses on the last thing we just said, the Gemara of Rav Shimon Al-Azhar with the, with, the, with the oven full of bread. And it goes like this. Sometimes he thinks to himself, and he's wondering that most of the, that he'd like for most of his time to be involved in holy things, Torah, Mitzvahs, etc. But the reality is not like that. The reality is that a vast, a, a minority of a person's time goes as man muot, very little of a person's time goes for holy things, Torah, Mitzvahs. The vast majority of our time is busy with eating and drinking and sleeping and making a parnasa and do all the things, all the optional things that a person's allowed to do, which is not Torah mitzvahs. So a person could start to feel bad and he could tell himself that there's so much empty space in my, in, in my oven, there's so much empty space in my, in my Torah mitzvahs. Why? Because very little of my time is involved in Torah mitzvahs. The lesson that we learn of here is that if the divri harashus that the person does is being done l'shem shemayim, so even though it's divri harashus, it's optional things that are not Torah mitzvahs, nevertheless they become bottle and they become tuffle, they become secondary to the Torah mitzvahs. It becomes like those extra loaves of bread that are filling up the oven, who even though I don't need them, but nevertheless, because they serve, they help, they contribute to that one loaf of bread that I do need, so I'm allowed to cook everything on Yantif, I'm allowed to bake everything. So the same thing is true in this case. A Yid looks at his own life and he sees that since the divri or shush that I'm doing are being done for the purpose of Torah mitzvahs, especially that the Torah mitzvah should be done right, and the Rebbe quotes here from the Kutu Torah, where the Alter Rebbe explains, a famous one of the curses, in Parshish B'chukhoisai, where the Torah says, V'ofu eser noshim lachachem v'tanu It says that all ten women, ten women are going to bake their bread in one oven. 
And we know that all the curses in the Torah are really beprimius, are really brachos. And the Alter Rebbe there explains in great length that in order for the Torah that a person learns lechem as compared to a Torah, in order for the Torah to be fully baked, the Torah has to be has to be uh, has to be um, con- has to be contributed to by Esther Noshim by all the ten kaches and Nefesh have to contribute to the bread. So in a similar way, so in a similar so in our case as well, when we speak about the Torah, a yid can't just only learn Torah all day; you also have to eat, also have to drink. But if the eating and the drinking are all contributing to the yid's Torah, then ultimately everything contributes to the baking of the of the bread to the Torah that a yid learns. In other words, for the for the yid to be able to continue learning. Similar to what the Rambam says, that a Chacham, everything that he does, is, is everything is being done for service of Hashem. Even when a Chacham sleeps and eats and does business, he's, he's serving Hashem the whole time. He serves Hashem and and ultimately this is the way to create a Dirbet Achtoinim. Like the, like the, like the, like the, like the Rebbe Rashab explains in, in Samach Bav, that's the goal, that's, the, that's the, the purpose of creation. All this serves as a Hachana, as an introduction to the time when Mashiach is going to come, we won't even need to do any baking anymore anyways. Why? Because the Gemara says that when Mashiach is going to come, Eretz Yisrael itself is going to, going to produce ready-made food to eat. So we don't have to even plant, we don't have to do any work. So this all serves as the hachana for the time when Mashiach will come. And we won't have to worry about any of these things. We made of the Amenu Mamash.